welcome to the Get After It podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. And, and ooh, we're both talking at the same time. And we both like to talk at the same time. We're both getting after it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're here with Greg. And Greg, we'll give a formal introduction to Greg after we get through some news here. But Greg's here as well. Announcements. What do we have? We don't have a ton. We do want to keep everybody's mind on coffee. And we announced last week, our last podcast, that we know it's going to be from Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And I meant to this morning on our drive out here. We're in Fairfield, Montana. Mm-hmm. I thought it was about 45 minutes out here. And it ends up, it's not. It's like 30, 35 minutes out here. It's not a far drive. No. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad drive. So Joe and I rode out here. And I remembered about halfway through as we're sharing stories with each other. I meant to make you some of the Guatemala coffee. I still had some at my house that you could have tried and then we could have talked about it right now but mm. just like you forgetting your guitar when you go oh. for a show i forgot the coffee as we're sure. getting ready for this sure so, salt the wound that's fine so we will have coffee coming soon in the next couple podcasts you'll hear from jesse of albanco describing uh the tasting of our signature roast of our signature roast that will will come out as a, the get after it podcast signature guatemala coffee roast that's the official name if you're trying to get after it, have a, why don't you start your morning off with a cup of get after it coffee? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'm going to work on it. The, the best part of waking up is get after it coffee in your cup. <laughs> I mean, okay. I didn't even try to sing it. I didn't even try to sing it. Oh, yeah. That might be trademarked. I was, I was about to sing it. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, don't try to sing it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the podcast will get pulled. I don't want to get a cease and desist. From Folgers, you know. Do you have any news? Do you have any news? Mm, mm, yeah, well, if you're in the great, well, shoot, and this is going to air on July 6th. July 6th. On a Tuesday. Um, ooh, in the morning, if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, why don't you come to Open Mic at uh, Empty Pints. We call it Empty Mic at Empty Pints. It's where we do acoustic music um, that we don't do any electric guitars or full bands just kind of singer songwriter thing uh, it's a really cool little place here in Great Falls um, empty pints where they serve I think it's nearly a hundred percent like uh, on tap is going to be from Montana and all of their spirits are from Montana and they have a pretty good pretty good burger what, what is the name of the the spirits uh, Johnson Johnson oh so the um, there they are an official tap room for a brewer called Jeremiah Johnson Jeremiah Johnson who is also the sponsor of empty Mike and I'd like to thank you Jeremiah man that's, that's really cool shout out shout out shout out to Jeremiah. what I can tell you about empty Mike is you know the the story of Joe and Brian meeting mm. a couple months ago you told me about empty Mike and so I was like you know my wife and I got to get out every once in a while and so we've been there almost every week since then as yeah. kind of our date night because it, it starts at six it ends at nine and we've showed up late or whatever and it's just they've got good food it's right now it's outside and yeah, it, yeah it's just fantastic so yeah check that out that'd, that'd be a good thing to check out but we want to get down to greg mm-hmm. i think we want to get down to greg here yes we're in fairfield for a reason we're talking to greg and are we going to let him introduce himself or are you going to do we it are but i want to give a little bit of how greg and i give greg and i met you can kind of fill in the blanks there greg mm-hmm. but i uh was doing this this challenge uh december challenge uh they called it the the elk shape chub challenge okay and there's this guy i follow uh you can follow him too if you're a listener uh, elk shape his name is dan staten what it required of me is the whole entire month of december i had to work out 
and uh, take pictures of, of things as I'm doing it. So, you know, little videos or pictures as I'm doing it. So working out, uh, eating a salad every day, and shooting your bow. And, and the whole thing is to kind of lead into, and it's December, so you got months and months and months until, like elk season just closed like a few months before that. So you got months until it opens again. But it was just to kind of, the idea was to keep you in shape for that. And then in this challenge, you could win uh, an e-bike. And I ended up actually winning this this e-bike. And I went and got to, to meet Dan. Cool. But shortly before that, I was at uh, North 40 Archery Range in Great Falls. And um, I had asked this gentleman next to me, Hey, is it okay if I record while I'm while I'm shooting? I know this is weird. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get you in the the video. And then we ended up talking for like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. an hour and a half. And I'll let Greg take over from there because that mm-hmm. then then it's just been this budding relationship since then. Yeah, it was kind of a neat deal. Um, yeah, I'm wondering why this guy is pulling a big camera out, wondering what's going on. And uh, we were just in the archery range shooting, and uh, uh, I, I could tell this guy need a little bit of help, maybe. <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. you know so uh no uh it's kind of a cool deal yeah we ended up talking for like an hour and shared uh kind of our story and and how we ended up uh in fairfield and my little shop and kind of where we're at now so and and we'll, we'll definitely get into that but uh if we were to ball up who greg is right now you're you know, married you know give us give us kind of a lowdown sure um been married for 16 years mm-hmm. uh married or met my wife and college i was uh i played football in college and i married or uh met nikki and uh funny thing was you know i wasn't the quarterback or the running back and i was a long snapper mm. so i wasn't in exactly a high profile position and uh anyways met her on a blind date and uh literally we've been together every day since so um it was just a god thing and yeah i've been with her every day since um she's a great gal we have an awesome 11 year old boy named easton uh he's uh into everything over the sun travel basketball baseball football um the cool thing is all while being a type 1 juvenile diabetic so he's a pretty incredible kid he got uh, diagnosed at 17 months old and i believe at that time uh we were living in northwest montana he was the youngest kid west of the mississippi river at the time that had been diagnosed well, so wow. he held that record for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a record you want, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a neat deal. Um, yeah, Nikki and I got married. Uh, I went to school for teaching, actually, mm-hmm. and um, taught for a year in Michigan. My job was cut with budget cuts, and we moved to Montana. I'd never been west of Wisconsin. And uh, so my wife said, hey, why don't we look out west? And all I knew is I wanted to come out elk hunting someday. Mm. And so we ended up moving to Montana, and uh, – Ended up teaching special ed, and my wife uh, worked in the school as a counselor. And uh, when I came out, they hired me as a junior high football coach. And they uh, they um, said, oh, by the way, you're now the new head football coach. Oh. Cool. And oh, by the way, we play eight-man football. I'm like, what in the world is eight-man football? <laughs> I never even heard of it. Welcome. I know. So, uh, yeah. So here we are, and um, we ended up kind of moving back to Michigan about five years ago. Mm-hmm. I uh, worked directly in the archery industry full time and really missed teaching and ended up moving back to Montana this past year. So, and and currently, so in Fairfield, Montana, you are. Uh, I'm a K through 12 special ed teacher mm-hmm. and head football coach and head football coach. Mm-hmm. And this, we were talking about this as I was kind of preparing Joe for today. Fairfield 
is like almost football Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, amongst the the class that um, that we're talking Fairfield High School is in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that they're the what the scary uh, Iowa wrestlers, you know, the, the Hawkeyes or whatever. Yeah. You know, they're always tough, always mm-hmm. super, super tough. Like, a, you know, and I'm, and I'm from Sims, and so it's just down the street. And uh, go Tigers. But um, we're not always as tough, you know. And I was thinking, how the heck do they, is this small town that's just down the street have just a, every year, just every year, mm-hmm. a new flock of just tough, tough kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty neat deal. Uh, I mean, we only have 114 kids in the whole high school. So yeah. ninth through twelfth grade, we only have 114 kids, and we play in class B in in Montana, which they can go up to like 280 kids, something like that. Mm-hmm. Almost double and, the pool. Right. So I mean, the team we played in the state championship last year, uh, we had 114 kids in the high school. They had almost 300. Mm. Man. So, um, but we had 40 football players last year. I mean, uh, this year right now we got 44 signed up. So it's Jeez. just kind of a kind of a thing we do here. Um, but it's a neat setting because it's not just sports; it's academic. Mm-hmm. It's you know there, it, we call it the Eagle Way. It's how we act in the hallway, how we act in the classroom, how we act uh, out in public. So it's it's kind of a neat deal. And, and yeah. even when I you know so two years ago I was living in Glasgow, Montana. And that's the other side of Montana. There were mm-hmm. five hours from there right now. Mm-hmm. Fairfield was a rival. And Fairfield is so good at football, may not even know that Glasgow's a rival. Like, <laughs> like, like, oh. like oh, anytime yeah. Glasgow yeah. would get in the, the, the competition for state, they're in mm-hmm. the same, you know, class. Mm-hmm. Fairfield was the yeah. was getting them out, you know. Yeah. It, it it happened quite often. Yeah. And and so yeah, so Fairfield to be the the head coach here, that's uh, some big shoes to fill. That's mm-hmm. a that's a pretty big job here in town. It is, yeah, and and uh, you know it's one of those things too that uh, when I applied for the teaching job, there wasn't a football job yet, and mm-hmm. so uh, I knew who the the football coach was, um, Coach Meyer. He's I mean legendary in Montana, mm-hmm. and um, I interviewed for a teaching job. They offered me a teaching job, and when he called me, he said. Just an FYI, I'm, I've taken a superintendent job um, closer to Missoula, and his boy is playing at the University of Montana, mm-hmm. so we want to get closer. And he said, any interest in the football job? And I said, well, is there anyone in-house you know, that would want it? And he said, well, no. He said, uh, we got an assistant who's been here like 27 years, and he wants to be an assistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know, we'd like you to apply if you're interested. So I applied, interviewed, and got it. So it's kind, kind of a neat deal. Yeah. Nice. So that's right after you got done uh, working for five or six years in the archery industry? I did, yeah. So I, I was in teaching for a long time. And uh, one thing that I've been very blessed with in my life is is archery. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of those things that allows me to kind of escape every day from what I'm doing. I mean, even during football practice, I'll get home and I'll shoot 10 arrows. It's just my, you know, some people read or some people do yoga, whatever, mine's archery. Mm. And I just love shooting. I get in the zone with it because I think about nothing else. I think about the process of it, the release, you know, of the arrow. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so I grew up with archery with my dad. My dad was actually a pro shooter back in the 80s for Hoyt. Oh, cool. Um, back, th- back then it was Hoyt Easton. They were, you know, that's how they named it. The bows even said Hoyt Easton on them. Wow. And uh, so I grew up watching my dad do it. Um, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd go hunting all the time. We'd go to archery competitions all the time. And um, 
So I kind of got into it that way. Of course, I went to college, played football. In my life, everything went football-related and school-related then. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got out of college, and I met a guy um, where I was uh, student teaching, and his aunt owned an archery shop. Ah. And so I went in there with my 20-year-old Hoyt bow and started shooting really well. So a month into it, I went to the state with his 20-year-old bow in Michigan and ended up winning the state championship. So he says, hey, uh, we'd like to sponsor you through the archery shop. I said, all right. So uh, that was with Martin Archery. And uh, so I got on a co-op program with Martin and was with them for a long time. I went to nationals a few times, did really well. And uh, sure enough, Hoyt knocked again, was like, hey, we want to sponsor you. So I'm like, cool. So... Shot with Hoyt for, oh gosh, probably 10 years, something like that. And um, anyways, uh, that ca that's kind of how that morphed uh, as far as archery competition part goes. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the companies that I've been with for the longest, so as a, as a competitive shooter, you're sponsored, can get sponsored by companies. Mm -hmm. And one of these companies is Boning Archery. Boning's in Lake City, Michigan. Um, ironically, kind of just north of where I grew up in Michigan. And... Um, so I'd go to the shoots, I'd volunteer in their booths, you know, at the trade shows, that sort of thing. And about five and a half years ago, um, their national sales manager was leaving, and he says, um, hey, there's going to be an opening, um, you know, are you interested in applying? Mm -hmm. So I applied for the job and um, uh, ended up working as the national sales manager for Boning Archery, which was an absolute awesome job. Uh got to develop product and meet dealers. I had like, I think about 2,500 dealers throughout the country. I had about 25 reps, sales reps that I dealt with. Um, and then of course, you know, all the folks at Boning. And um, so I got to travel a ton and went all over the country. I mean, I got, I got to go to the headquarters of Cabela's and Bass Pro and Gander Mountain at the time and, and uh, all that. But I think the neatest part was going and visiting all the dealers. That was pretty mm -hmm. cool to me and uh, working all the trade shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, part of that was the travel, though. And so my son's getting older, playing sports. You know, he's doing travel basketball, and I'm missing a lot of it. And so uh, being a special ed teacher and a football coach, you're kind of like a unicorn. And so the, the community, the, the principal there, she had been asking me for a few years, hey, would you apply for a teaching job? And I said, I, I like what I'm doing. And uh, – I had kind of continued to volunteer as a football coach and that sort of thing and coaching defense for the local high school there. And um, finally, I looked at my wife, and we both kind of said, you know, it'd be nice if I was home. Right. So I, I talked to Boning. Um, Larry, the owner, is an outstanding guy. He said, hey, I get it. You got a young kid. You got a young family. Um, do what's best for your family. And I felt very supportive from those guys over there. I didn't want to leave, but it, it's just kind of the way it worked. And Ended up being a special ed teacher again in the local district, um, still working with Boning at the shoots and that sort of thing. So still a positive relationship there. And uh, um, kind of how we ended up back in Montana was, uh, you know, at Michigan at the time, a year and a half ago, was not doing very well with all the COVID stuff. And I had actually, uh, my teaching job had been cut with budget cuts. The district we were in was pretty low income. And so I looked at my wife and I said, you know what? Uh, why don't we look back in Montana? It, we loved living there. Uh, we lived in Fort Benton for a while. Cool. And so uh, we wanted to get back around Great Falls, and we knew Fairfield was a really reputable community, and so we wanted to get back. Uh, I think the hardest part 
besides leaving family was my wife leaving her job. She was a realtor in Michigan, a really awesome realtor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, it was a sacrifice on her part to kind of help our family, which was hard on on me because I didn't want her to lose that. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, now she's working at the school. She works in the first grade. And uh, so she's back in the school, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, so all three of us are in the school every day, and it's a pretty neat deal. Oh, that is so, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And when you mentioned a, a unicorn to be, uh, there's not a lot of special ed teachers out there, mm-hmm. especially special ed teachers that can also be a head football coach. <laughs> right. That's, that, yeah. that is a, a very unique thing there. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We've, we've covered some really good stuff. I'm already, like, really excited. But mm-hmm. we need to do our speed round. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we want to have this, this segment of speed round uh, to prepare our audience. Uh, you've heard this one time before mm-hmm. with Gabriel. And we're going to, Joe and I are going to go back and forth a question each. We didn't, ha- we don't have the notebook. No. We're just so this is going to be speed round for us as well. We, mm-hmm. we left the notebook. We're working at being prepared. Don't judge us. So we're going to ask a, a question to Greg. He's going to have just a, a second or two to think about it and give us a short answer. And the the idea of this is just to, even though we've already broken the ice, we're 17 minutes in already, but we've already broken the ice. We want to kind of break the ice more mm-hmm. and uh, give you guys some interesting things to listen to. But most importantly, Greg, don't be scared. That's nice. Yeah. I, nice I don't know if you knew last time I, I, I hit the wrong button last time and we had to do a retake, but this time we got the right button. Joe, are you ready with the, the first question? Yeah, I could do that. Okay. Greg, are you ready? Do you feel that you know the, the rules and, and you understand? There's that, no points awarded. After that music, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm nervous yeah. now. A little nervous. A little nervous. They're, they're going to be pretty easy questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. First question. Um, are you a dog person or a cat person? Dog. dog that person. was a fast answer. No question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question, dog person. <laughs> okay, my favorite question out of the 10 we asked before was, if you're going outside, so you're inside currently, you're going to go outside no matter what the weather is. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, you know, you're running to the mailbox, picking mm-hmm. up the, the garbage, something like that. Uh, do you no shoes? You put on flip-flops, or are you the squish down the heel of your shoe and barely put them on and run out? Mm, I'd say whatever convenient, preferably flip-flops. Mm-hmm. Preferably flip-flops. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even this in the is, winter. we got to have a follow-up question. Uh, is that allowed? Sure. Okay. With flip-flops, do you mean like the just all toes go in and there's nothing in between the big toe and the, the middle toe? Or are you talking big toe, middle toe? Flip flop or slipper? Flip flop or slipper? Oh, is it flip flop or slipper? Because sure always a technical term. I don't. don't, I they, don't like, wait, don't they call them a thong? Yeah, is it a thong or? A sl- okay, or when I think of thong, I think of I think of it splitting different things in my toes. I think it's a regional thing. It's a yeah, regional. it could be. Yeah. So, so which is it? Do you like to have the thing in between your? Yeah, it's got to be by the big toe. By the yeah. big toe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question, Joe. Question number three for you. Well, I mean, we had two and two B. Now it's three. Okay. Um. Now I've added a third one because of Gabrielle's answer. So uh, would you go for um, this quick snack and it's all you got, but you've got a choice of uh, macaroni and cheese from the box, um, chop ramen, or nothing. Keep keep that stuff away from me. Preferably not. I don't want any of that. Okay. But if I had to choose, I'm going macaroni and cheese. Okay. Macaroni and cheese. And mm-hmm. It's fair enough. I, I keep wanting to have this we got to not have follow-up questions because I want to have follow-up questions almost every time. So the next speed question can be maybe your follow-up question. 
Okay, so question question number four is name brand mac and cheese. So are you talking mm. Kraft or are you talking Walmart, Sam's, Albertsons brand? Isn't it the same? But I don't know. I think it's the same, isn't it? It's all the orange dusty. It, yeah, it depends right. on how pure orange you want that that cheese. But then there's the fancy one with the goop that's already in. Yes, yeah, I like the, I like the squeeze kind. The Ooh, squeezy okay. goop. The, yeah, the, the shells deluxe. and cheese. Shells and cheese. So that's Velveeta. That's, that's what right. we're talking Velveeta. Yeah. Okay, that's question a five, Joe. Okay, um, shoot, I had a good one. Let's see. <laughs> um, now let's see. Oh. Superpower. If you could uh, be either invisible or fly, which one would you choose? Oh, I'd fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Good mm-hmm. choice. What is your favorite color? Orange. Man, he is quick on these questions. He had it ready. I bet yeah. you. Hey, you guys got to realize I'm around a lot of elementary kids every day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so you get these, 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 these yeah, questions all the time. Okay. Yeah, these are simple little kid <laughs> questions. So he's like, I got it ready because I got to answer like 50 of you at once right. sometimes. The answer is yes, orange, 12, don't touch that. That's right. Put that down. Velveeta. <laughs> Velveeta. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think this is question seven. I lost count. But I yeah. lost count too. We'll call it seven. Okay. Is Before, it my turn again? Or your your turn? turn again. Okay. Got another one. Let's see. Um, oh. Are you, uh, do you have the, the sweet tooth or are you more of a spicy man? Spicy. Mm. Not a big sweet guy. Okay. Mm. Okay. Don't really care for chocolate or sweets of any kind. But give you some, some hot, hot wings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I glanced over to cheat real quick, but, um, Apple, iPhone mm-hmm. or anything else. You know, when I started working on Bone and they gave me an iPhone, I've had one ever since. And so iPhone, iPhone. iPhone. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 80% of Americans, I think. <laughs> it, I'm an iPhone. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I went to iPhone. That's, iPhone. My wife was like, why don't you have an iPHone? That's what happened. I was, okay. ri- I was ridiculed into it. This is, this is your... I pressured my wife, too. So. I pressured my wife as yeah. well. This is yeah. a thing, then. It's this fine. is a thing. Men are attracted to iPhones, and they, they get them in there. Okay. Yeah. Wait, your wife got you into it. Yeah, I, I responded to the pressure. Okay, so your wife's more manly than you. I got yep. it. <laughs> she wears the pants. <laughs> yeah, she, oh, she wears the pants. There we go. All right, this is your final question, number nine, but not the final question. I, I'll, I'll be number 10 here. Okay, okay. Let's see. Um, hmm. God, now I'm blanking on a question. Yeah. Does that help? Wait a minute. I've thought of something. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh, I know. Have you, have you read all of the, uh, the books of Harry Potter? I've never even picked one up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Watch the movies though. And I have no, no, I have no. no interest in it whatsoever. Just no interest. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. Like okay. That. So final question. It's surprising. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get mad at me about that. I won't get mad at you. I, yeah. I would have gotten some, mad some at you. Some people do. Now it's I a complicated issue. It's co- it is. I know. <laughs> yep. I just thought, I was like, man, why did I choose that? Cause now I don't want to talk about the author and then the weird Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go. It's a, it's we a can loaded, go down a, a bunny a trail there. Accidentally a loaded question in the speed round. My yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to get into personal hygiene. Are you a brush in the morning? Brush your teeth, your teeth. Um, 
Greg is bald, so I wasn't trying to be insulting there. Are you I, bro- I, just so we're clear, I'm not completely bald. I choose to shave my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so by by choice, by choice. I'm balding. Balding. Yeah, okay. kind of like George Costanza, you know. Yeah, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which which I'm thinning, and I'm considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Gonna, I remember. I remember the thinning stage. I'm yeah. past that now. Oh, it's rough. Okay, question: <laughs> uh, Brushing your teeth, do you do it in the morning, evening? Neither, both, or somehow throw some mouthwash in there in exchange for. I'm a brush and then mouthwash guy. In both morning and evening. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Look at his teeth, Joe. They're good. They're good teeth. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna I, w- I wish I would have got braces as a kid, but, you know, that's a whole different conversation. A whole different yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. So that ends our speed round. Yeah, nice work. That was great work. Great work. The crowd goes wild. Excellent answers, I thought. <laughs> you know? And that's true. I mean, at third grade teacher, wherever this is it? K, K through 12. K so through 12, I, so I get to see the elementary in the morning, mm-hmm. and then I go to the high school in the afternoon. So Man. I've got all gamuts. Man. And here in Fairfield, the, the school is just real close over yeah, here. Yeah, it's like two blocks. And the high school and elementary, are they? All connected. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. All right. All right, so, so now we move into some deeper things. as we As we talk about get after it. We've invited you onto this podcast. My idea, and it doesn't have to be my idea, but my idea was that uh, I'm aware through our meeting at uh, a different archery range that you had started your own shop very recently after you and I met. We met in December. So uh, I think you started in October? Yep, August. August, yep. August. Okay, so close. Um, they both start with a ah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so I thought that it would be great to just have people hear the story about you know why or how and you know some hardships or whatever. But honestly, we we are happy to hear stories. We're happy to hear um, really about anything. So if there's other things that you'd like to talk about, maybe it's you know coaching football, maybe it's uh, um, teaching you know <laughs> vast age of of children, maybe it's uh, being a husband, being a father, you know any of those things. If if we were to if we were to go down one of these trails, which which way would you like to see us go? I'm good with any of it, really. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so yeah, it's it's kind of we're my wife and I are quite busy. We're involved in a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I mean, th- most days I teach, go to football practice, and then run the archery shop in the evening. So it's all gamuts. I have archery questions. So and so, Joe, have you ever shot a bow? Never. Okay. I've seen so, so I feel that we could actually, for some of our listeners that might be in the same boat as you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we could really bring them down a, a path of, of archery. And it's, it's actually a, a super growing business right now mm-hmm. because of COVID. And even prior to that, it, it was the outdoor industry was growing. But mm-hmm. archery in particular has mm-hmm. really been growing over the last couple of years. I mean, I'm a, I'm a victim of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just through social media, YouTube, different things, and, and some of the popular bow hunters being even more popular and uh, just kind of falling into that. So maybe that would be, that would be it. So yeah. maybe, Joe, maybe you ask a question about, mm-hmm. about you know, you looked in the shop briefly down there. Yes. And so, and so where are you going? Um, I, I went onto YouTube last night, and I just kind of was Googling around, like, what do you need to know as a beginner sort of mm-hmm. videos? I didn't watch one all the way through. But I did get, I did read an article or two. And so what I'm, and so basically correct me if I'm wrong as I'm going through this. <laughs> what I'm gathering is people want to go elk hunting with a bow because, 
because what I was thinking is like, this is going to be harder. You know, you got to, mm -hmm. um, it's not as easy it's with a gun. You can just be from way far away and see one and then kill it. Mm -hmm. Um, with a bow, I was reading that you've got to be within 40 yards, you know, to get a clean shot, because if you don't get a clean shot, you're not going to get a clean kill. And that's not a very moral thing to do. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking, well, why the heck? I mean, I kind, I kind of understand like, well, I kind of, you know, maybe people want to get more in touch with where their food is coming from and maybe get more in touch with the hunter gatherer thing where you're just putting in more effort to show, you know, maybe put more honor into the whole process of taking a life and then maybe mm -hmm. using it for food or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. your plans are. And so I'm, I'm kind of thinking that that's, is that why people are getting into, is that the main reasons that people go, you know, instead of this gun, that would just kind of make it easy. I can go bam, bam, couple of them, get it done, have some beers. Um, like, what is it that makes them go, you know what, let's make this harder. <laughs> let's yeah. this. let's well, really get into this. It's that's kind, really of, kind of a neat deal. Um, kind of like what Brian said earlier, in the archery industry, was kind of it kind of hit a lull for a while, and really it saw a gain when the Hunger Games came out. When the Hunger Games movies, yeah, because oh. they're big in archery in that, mm -hmm. and so when that happened, the archery industry just boomed because people were like, right? they saw that and they go, "I want right, to I do want that, I want to do what she's doing." I got to see these movies, and uh, so that was pretty cool to watch that, mm -hmm. and then so. The cool thing about archery is you don't have to be a hunter to do it. Mm. I mean, I know lots of people that are archers that don't hunt. And so kind of the neat deal with, with archery and hunting in general, it's gotten to be kind of the old, uh, the old you guys got the train going. There. We've, we've got um, the train in the yeah, background. It's all right. It gives me a chance to cough. <laughs> yeah. um, but the cool, the cool thing is uh, kind of the Bubba Hunter thing that people always knew is not really existent anymore. What's the Bubba Hunter thing? Oh, kind of the Elmer Fudd. You go out and oh, oh, you yeah. can't hike around anywhere, and you're Fudd Dudley, and you just kind of go out and shoot and kill anything you want. Right. Okay. Um, I would tell you that probably most hunters, bow hunters, rifle hunters alike, mm -hmm. um, it's not about the killing part. Uh -huh. It's about uh, going out, the process of it, getting out. You know, especially out west here. You know, you've got to hike six miles in somewhere. It's not like we're walking 100 yards and sitting in a heated hunting blind like a lot of states do. That's how I, I kind of grew up in Michigan. Oh, gotcha. Um, so, so it's kind of like golf. Like sometimes it's not about the getting the hole. In, it's about walking around on the great mm -hmm. grass and being with your friends yeah. in the sunshine. Yeah, and I know for me personally when I go hunting, the kill is the last thing that I want to do. Oh, gotcha. Um, yes, I want the, the good, clean protein out of that animal. Mm -hmm. um, but it to me, it's one of those things that – it's not about that. It's the process. It's all the prep time of shooting and, and being accurate at your effective range and being able to, to take that shot if it needs to be and then ethically you know, harvest that animal mm -hmm. rather than just going, i got to go out and kill something today. And I think that's kind of the bad name that hunters get a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but anyone that's bow hunted, I know, Brian, you can relate, it's not about the kill. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's about the process of it. You know that what made me think about when you were talking about growing up in um, Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, and you were you were competition firing mm -hmm. at a range, and mm -hmm. then you would go to competitions, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what you were doing. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I grew up shooting 3D foam targets. I mean, that's that's how I started as a uh -huh. as a five year old. Um, yes, they looked like animals, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's in that. But that's fostered into a whole nother genre because that part of archery is not hunting; it's just about competition, mm -hmm. and I like the competitive part of it. You know. I mean, I've, I've been able to shoot at the highest level. I mean, I've shot at world championships, and blessedly, I've won two of them. Cool. Um, 
but I love being able to compete against the best guys in the world. Yeah. Um, so going hunting and hiking around, it's it's like a breathe. I mean, or breath rather. You just kind of chill out for a little bit because it gets pretty intense when you're shooting in Vegas for a lot of money and you're shooting at a dime size, you know, dime size uh, spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you miss that spot and you know you're out of the money. <laughs> and so, and uh, I, I like your, your connection to golfing mm-hmm. because um, I, I'm not a golfer. I have golfed. Yeah, um, I've had ex- golf has been explained to me, I think. Yeah. 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 And I, and I, I've gone out and, and done that a few times in the, the amount of focus it takes mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot involved in form mm-hmm. and then also in the equipment you're using you know you can have a guy that goes out and just rents clubs and and he can get through you know 18 holes nine holes whatever he's going to do but then mm-hmm. the more you advance uh the you know you, you you get better equipment and and invest a little bit more because the better the equipment is the better it's going to perform with your better technique if that makes sense and so that gets a lot into archery and i mm-hmm. i wanted to tie in too um and just kind of uh add it not add in anything but just confirm what what greg's saying is for most people even um there's some famous hunters uh you know cam haynes cameron haynes is a pretty famous hunter and uh you know you uh, uh john dudley and uh the the whole meat eater you know yeah, genre Steve that's Rinella, like yeah. Steve Rinella that's coming up most of them when they talk about the the actual killing of an animal there isn't this this feeling of joy and and accomplishing mm-hmm. any kind of goal um, all hunters are excited or or maybe even just relieved to have a clean kill mm-hmm. because for mm-hmm. that animal it's going to probably be the most honorable kill it's going to have they're, they're going to die of disease old age starvation right. or Eat. getting eaten alive by predator. a predator of yeah. some sort mm-hmm. so but by, by um you know practicing throughout the entire year to be a good archer and get close to that animal you're actually sometimes mm-hmm. even better than a, a rifle i'm not gonna i'm not gonna we're not gonna yeah. go down that whole debate but you can mm-hmm. be better than a rifle because you're, you're taking that animal out for sure and not wounding animals mm-hmm. and letting them go out there in, in yeah. pain Ooh. yeah and I, I mean i've harvested animals with archery um equipment i mean they're harvested in five seconds i mean quick um and i've harvested <sighs> probably over 100 animals with a bow um you know, so it's archery to me is how I prefer it. Um, but it's, it's in, in, you know, the way a rifle harvests an animal on a bow, bow through with an arrow is a completely different style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a rifle um, basically kills on impact. Um, an arrow will, will kill because of hemorrhaging. So it's got to cut vitals and, and that sort of thing where, where a rifle is kind of like getting hit by a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Um, but uh, I like the peacefulness of a bow in my hand. Um, one, I think there's less people. <laughs> there is. Less there people out. Um, although archery is like, you know, like we talk, growing extremely, um, yep. but uh, which is good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a neat feeling. But I think people need to understand that hunters are not – hunters are the biggest group of conservationists there are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the, the negative part of hunting is all, oh, you just go around and you like killing things and it's, you know, all this. And I've, I've had people attack me on Facebook about, you know, you don't have, you don't have the right to breathe, especially when I, when I harvested my caribou, um, people just, and my wife saw it, people came after me on Facebook about, you know, you have no rights and you're, you're killing this harmless animal and, and all those things. Um, yet when we were there, we saw wolves every day and you know, those wolves were, you know, 
we're, we're killing caribou. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we had several encounters with grizzly bears up there. I mean, they're killing caribou, especially the calves, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, and the fawns, you know, of, of deer. And anyways, um, you know, so archery hunting is not just about the kill. It's about the whole process. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about camaraderie with your buddies. It's about being with your family. I mean, my family, we all shoot. I mean, my son Easton's named after an arrow company. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and it was it's a neat thing that my wife got into. Um, and she started out, uh, she didn't want anything to do with hunting. She'd go out with me and sit, um, but she wouldn't hunt. So mm-hmm. she started competition shooting. And now Nikki's one of the best female archers um, around. I mean, she's she's very good. Uh, and she has the ability to pick up her bow and go shoot and, and do really well, where I practice every day and sometimes don't do well. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a really neat thing. And archery is a great family sport. And it's kind of like golf. You can go rent a bow. You can go, you can go to a, an archery shoot or an archery um, shop and just, you know, borrow a bow. I know lots of shops that do that. Just try it, shoot it in the shop or, or whatnot. Um, just to, just to get used to it. I mean, you can go out and find one at a yard sale, make sure you take it to a shop. So it fits you right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, but then you can spend two grand on a bow. So, I mean, it just, it's, there's such a vi- wide variety and, uh, but there's, the bows now, I mean, I've got bows in the shop here that go from 10-pound draw to 70-pound draw. Mm-hmm. So it will literally fit my kid, and then I can shoot it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a neat neat deal what the bow manufacturers have done to, to try to fit families, you know, in equipment. So, Yeah, when I was doing a little research on bows, I noticed that um, they, they're kind of similar to instruments, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, they use the, some of the... <clears throat> some of the same terminology um so like a bow has to be tuned mm-hmm. um and so does an instrument and mm-hmm. just like an instrument when you get a new one and you need to put you know you need to put some hours on it like a bow you need to put a you know whatever it is 100 mm-hmm. 100 arrows through it and then you need to get it tuned again and right. intonated and adjusted yeah. and a lot of people don't do that with their new guitar you know mm-hmm. they'll think well it doesn't sound right doesn't play right maybe this isn't for me yeah. And so I was, I was like, oh, good. There's something I do understand about archery. I was like, okay, so this is an instrument. It's yeah. a piece of um, composite or wood under pressure mm-hmm. needs to be tuned and it needs to be adjusted for the person who's going to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and archery equipment, I mean, it's come so far. I mean, it's come a long ways. And the technology that they have now, it's unbelievable. I don't know how much more you can do to a bow to get it more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but companies are striving for that all the time. And so it's kind of neat. But, yes, I mean, you need to get them tuned. And one thing I love about archery is that you constantly have to do it because mm-hmm. a lot of it's muscle memory. So you have to constantly be shooting where, again, not putting guns down, but I, I can go out and shoot 10 rounds before I go hunting for a gun season and I'm good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where archery, I, I'm constantly doing it because you don't shoot for a month, your muscles lose their muscle memory, mm-hmm. um, you know, all those things. So. It's just it's just a real special special art. And you you had made an analogy on the the drive up here, Joe, about uh, the difference between an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar, and that's very similar to what Greg's talking about here. The difference between a a, a new compared it to a rifle and a bow, mm-hmm. that you know somebody can kind of pick up an electric guitar. And they're just going to get right in there. But if it was an acoustic, like mm-hmm. you've really got to be practiced in doing that. And it's, it's very similar, mm-hmm. very similar with, with archery. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I'm going to ask a, a question as if I was in the same position as Joe and not, not being experienced in this. 
you have an archery shop just below us right now. We're in the upstairs of your your shop area, and uh, down there you you we're talking about bows, but I know that there's different types of bows. So what mm-hmm. what different types of bows are there? Uh, probably the most common is a compound bow. Uh, that's where you've got cams or wheels, if you want to call them, mm-hmm. uh, on the bow. Um, so you've got your strings, your cables that connect all those together. And then as you draw the bow, um, you'll have a let off. So basically, most bows now are 85 to 90% let off. So at full draw, you're only holding 85 or 15% of whatever the poundage of that bow is. Hmm. So if it's a 70-pound draw weight, you're only holding you know 15% of that. So... Um, it's made bows really easy to shoot, I guess you could say, or more comfortable to shoot. Um, back when I started, most bows were like 60% let off, so you were shooting a lot more um, you know, poundage mm-hmm. at, at holding weight when you're at full draw. And the other thing, too, bows have gotten really compact. Um, they used to be really, really long, I mean, 48 inches long. Now there's hunting bows that are 28 inches long. So it, it's it's gotten a lot more user-friendly for the archer. <laughs> Um, but again, there's, there's bows that I have in the shop that, uh, are mainly made for adult men. I've got bows that are made for kids. Um, specifically I've got bows that are made for, um, women. I've got bows that are, that are for budget and I've got some with guys that don't have a budget. (laughs) So it it just, it just kind of depends on, on what a, what a person likes. So. And then there's, there's other types besides compound bows, right? Yep. Yeah. So there's your long bows. Um, recurves, longbows are, you know, the typical Native American, what you see them see in the old Westerns I'm shooting or whatever. Um, and then recurves have more of a re- recurved uh, design of the limb, which is a little more efficient than a longbow. It's got a little more snap to it. So you generally get a little more speed out of those. Uh, and it's called traditional archery. That's where you see the longbows and the recurves. And uh, it, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. It's kind of like, I compare it to kind of like fly fishing. Mm. So in, in the fishing world, fly fishing is more the art where, mm-hmm. you know, traditional rod and reel isn't as artsy, if you will, mm-hmm. where a longbow recurve is the art part compared to a compound. And that's, so. that's a really good analogy, too. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be with music, but where, and this isn't a cut down to anybody because I've been talking to, to Greg about getting a, a traditional bow. Mm-hmm. Just because it, it not it's not any kind of step or anything, but some people do want to try it out, and I'd like to yeah. try getting yeah. a a traditional bow. Yeah. So I'm not putting down anybody that does that, but um, also I fish with traditional fishing gear, and I do know that the fly fishermen are a little more s- snobby. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. With, <laughs> it's the same thing with the oh. with the traditional <laughs> bow. Mm-hmm. A little bit more, uh, almost yeah, as if they feel they're they're doing they're doing it, better. It, Right, mm-hmm. it's it's almost. Um, again, I have an, I have an uncle who's all traditional. Um, I've hunted traditional a little bit. I actually have a deer mount down in the in the shop there that I shot with a longbow, which was kind of cool. Um, shot him with a wood arrow. It was a cedar shaft, cool. and I shot him. I was seven yards on the ground when I shot him. He was he was came right into me. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, it's it's looked upon as as a specialty. Right, and uh, it's really neat because it's an instinctive thing um, when you shoot a longbow or recurve, and typically with a compound, you have a you have a mechanized trigger release, and you have a sight with pins on it that tells you the yardage, mm. and so 
you're taking the humanality out of it a little bit where uh, a longbow, I mean, literally it's like throwing a baseball. You look at your target, you draw back, you anchor, and you release without having mechanical anything tell you, okay, this is where you got to put the pin Hmm. of the sight. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, uh, so in musicians' world, um, we got our bluegrass acoustic people, we've got our jazz acoustic people, Mm -hmm. the ones that are playing the really high-priced, you know, really, really expensive instruments acoustically, you know, the vintage ones. Mm -hmm. And then you've got guys like me who are kind of in the middle and, well, I don't know about middle, but a difference. And then you've got the guys that are just kind of making all of the music you hear today is just on a computer. They never picked up an instrument at all and still getting the thing done. The song is being right. made that people enjoy, but it, it is a little different. Some people, they like the, the, the reason why jazz musicians might feel that way is because they've gone through, they've got that one, the instrument, you know, that vintage one, the one that's made of real wood. And then they've practiced this many hours a day because it's harder to... Mm. you know get the th- same thing yeah. done with that yeah. and so i see what you mean yeah. and yeah and i would think like any kind of uh field you get into probably probably has that the purists know, yeah like <laughs> even if you get into maybe bowling yeah and they're sure. like you use the automated <laughs> ball return you, you know like so, <laughs> oh, something man. like that and yeah. uh your bowl your ball has holes in it <laughs> right right so i just roll it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah, I, and one thing I wanted to point out for any listeners out there that, that as we're talking through this may not be able to picture it, but a compound bow, when he, and just to kind of recap, you, you pull back a, a heavier weight than you would with the, the traditional bows because you have that let off at the end when you're holding the, and you're actually aiming. It's like a and pulley so, system. Yeah, yeah, it's a pulley system and yep. it, 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 it assists in that. And then when you get back there, and Greg mentioned an anchor point, you have a mechanical trigger of some sort, so your fingers aren't touching the string. It's a it's a trigger of some sort that either goes around your wrist or in your hand, mm-hmm. or is a, you know there's many different types that you can get. With a traditional, you are using your fingers on the string. The string itself, you're gonna on a compound, you're gonna look through what's called a peep, and it's this little hole that you put in the string that's built in. So then you look down at the sight, and the sight, as Greg mentioned, has different pins. Mm-hmm. So if the, the target or the animal is 20 yards out, you use your 20-yard pin and you line everything up. And so then when you're using the traditional, you're using your fingers. And so there's a lot of uh, human error that can happen even just in that release and pulling it back. You're pulling back a little less weight so it can't get out there as far as a, a compound can. Um, it's not going to be as fast as a compound either. And, uh, yeah, you have no real aiming assistance mm-hmm. at all besides just kind of uh, – uh, instinct. Mm-hmm. You're using your instinct. Mm-hmm. So m- lots of practice will tell you where that arrow is going to go at each one of those different yardage increments with a compound. When I go out and shoot, you know, my brother and I just went last weekend and we were shooting anywhere from 20 yards to 80 and we could do it just with the compound and, and do that with a traditional. That would that would take right. months to learn and, right. and you're not going to really shoot out to 80 yards. Um, with, a, mm-hmm. with Not that you can't, but you're, you're really not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just a different gamut of it. Um, it's just a different sector of it. Uh, it's kind of, it, it's really neat to watch those guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, their equipment is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, they make them out of, you know, African woods and, and oh, yeah. you know, different different <laughs> stains. And they're just beautiful pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get into the fletching, you know, the cresting arrows. That's where you put the different colors on the back end of the arrow. Um, basically, you decorate the arrow. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the 
it's just beautiful. And cool. So, yeah, it's very, very artistic. Kind of like, you know, uh, flying or tying flies, you know, for fly fishing. Yeah, gotcha. So um, it's very, a little more arty. Uh, compound's a little more mechanical. Yep. And I, I guess that's how I'd look at it. Um, now, my dad, uh, he's been shooting forever. He's in the middle. He is an instinctive compound shooter. So oh he shoots goodness. a compound with fingers and no sights. Oh, wow. So he, <laughs> it's called Bearbow. They actually have a class and competition for it. And that's how I grew up shooting um, was Bearbow, compound Bearbow. And uh, so his equipment's a little bit older, compound. Um, and he's in his 70s, 75 now. Uh, still uses a bear hair finger tab. And uh, he's never shot a compound bow with a release or a sight. So he's he's kind of in in between between the traditional and the in the mechanicalism of it, um, but he's he's I mean very good by it, and that's how I started shooting competition was in bearbow class. And the reason I stopped doing that is because I would only ever meet guys at national shoots. Like when I go to state shoots and regional shoots, there were maybe two or three bearbow guys. Mm-hmm. But when you go to nationals or when we shoot in Vegas. There's a ton of them because they come from all over. And for whatever reason, California's got a ton of barebow shooters. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> Those California. I know. So, Southern California, by the way. <laughs> yeah, trying to get into, <laughs> trying to get into everything. Barebow shooters of yeah. Southern California. So the only, the only time I've had any even remote close um, resemblance, resemblance to that would be um, when I lived in Glasgow, we would do um, bow fishing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you use a compound bow, but you just yeah. you don't have any sights yeah. on it. It's all kind of instinctive. Yeah. But the fish are never more than yeah. five yards away. Yeah. They're very close. And mm-hmm. the refraction of the water, you have to aim underneath the fish. And then there's a string attached to the arrow and a reel attached to the bow. Cool. And so you shoot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Huh. Yep. Yeah, and you're mainly shooting uh, kind of scrap fish like carp and gar and things like that but mm-hmm. um hey shout out to the glasgow guys by the way uh, mm-hmm. we had to play glasgow last year for the current championship so glasgow is pretty decent so, oh yeah uh, i like their coaching yeah. staff <laughs> yeah well and i I'm, i hope i, I and, didn't and, yeah and they have the coolest mascot the scotties the glasgow scotties it's yeah. a little scottish dog on their helmet and they got voted best helmet in montana yep and and yeah. everything everything over there even the cop cars have plaid <laughs> right plaid on them <laughs> yeah. and then they have um Every year they have uh, bagpipe players come in and do yeah. like Scottish. It's pretty cool. Scottish things. There's so much. And in, in we even talked about it in the last podcast a little bit, but you get into these small towns and there's mm-hmm. a lot of tradition mm-hmm. and, and it's a it's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful thing to see. And so I hope in the beginning when we were talking about <laughs> Fairfield and, and the competition between Glasgow, I love everybody in Glasgow. I know I have, we, we have listeners over there right now, so I wasn't putting you down. <laughs> You have yeah. to admit it's a different breed of people coming from Fairfield, yeah. but we give them a run for the money. Come yeah. on now, yeah. 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 There's some. They're there's, both tough. There's definitely some good football up there, especially on that high line in Montana, like Malta, Malta, and, yep. and Malta Haver. There's mm-hmm. some good good programs up there. Yep, yep. Malta was always a big competition for Glasgow. Yeah, as those, well. those two, I guess, are real big rivals. Really big yeah. rivals. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to talk about that on this podcast because yeah. it's very similar to Cat Grizz, right? Yeah, and it's it's very similar yeah. to that. We've yep. already we've already shaken those cages last yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. We, the last podcast <laughs> yeah. we got into that a little bit, so we're not going to get into that again. Yeah. We we we're at fifty one minutes, and I'm I'm actually really excited where we're at. I want to ask what is what is the hardest thing 
you know, now you, you, a year and a half or so ago, mm-hmm. you move into Fairfield and you decide to open a shop and we're, ri- we're, we're literally above uh, your, your garage slash archery shop mm-hmm. right now. Yep. What's the, what's the hardest part about that? Well, uh, I think just getting the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've, I've really value about Fairfield is they want to spend money in Fairfield. Yeah. People don't want to go to Great Falls to spend money. And mm-hmm. the big customers that I've had come in, that our local folks have said, man, it's so nice. Now I don't have to drive in mm-hmm. and uh, I'd rather spend my money here, <laughs> which I'm thankful for. Right. Um, but uh, we've had people come from all over. We've had people come from, from central Montana, northern Montana, from the High Line. Um, a lot of guys come out from Great Falls, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one thing that, uh, that Nikki and I can offer at our shop is just the, the, the kind of one-on-one contact. Um, you know, we're, we're able to, with Nikki and I's archery knowledge, um, you know, cause I'm not having to worry about selling optics and guns and clothing and camping gear and mm-hmm. all that. I mean, we're, we're archery. And mm-hmm. so, um, Nikki and I can really, you know, really offer people, um, the one-on-one time that they need. Like I had a guy come in, uh, uh two weeks ago and he'd been bowing his whole life and he bought a bow and. And I was helping him with his grip. I said, you don't want to hold the thing like you're holding on to a tree branch, just nice and relaxed. And he looked at me and he goes, why has no one ever told me that? <laughs> I've been and, doing this a yeah, long time. Right. <laughs> and he was frustrated by it. He yeah. said, well, I bought my shop or my bow from a shop in, in town in Great Falls. He said, no one ever told me that. Yeah. And I said, well, because you want to take the muscle part of it out for your grip. You want bone on bone on bone. So for your anchor, too. And um, anyways, but it's just little things like that that we can offer, um, you know, I think sometimes over over a big shop or a big, what should I say, big box store, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really good shops in Montana that are archery specific, some really good shops. Um, I know, um, shout out to the guys at Straight Six Archery. Those guys do a great job. They're in Bozeman and Missoula. Um, and I've, I've worked with them some to get some parts, uh, for, for some bows that I don't sell, but I have Hmm. clients that come in. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to, to work with those guys and same thing. So they they do a good job. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think for us, the hardest part is just getting our name out there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not like I have a great big, huge sign downtown and (laughs) in that sort of thing. It's been word of mouth. Um, but it's been pretty, pretty consistently busy. So um, it's a good thing, and uh, we sell everything. We got everything that you need. So, well, be, cool. besides, like everything you need for the the bow, you, you yep. mentioned you don't have the camo and no, you know, binoculars and different things. <laughs> yeah, well, and that that was yeah. another thing is that uh, you talked about sponsorships leading mm-hmm. into now, but we kind of cut off a couple years ago. Sure. So, you know, what what brands and sponsorships uh, do you, do you have now? Sure. Well, and and. Um, one thing I will say that being in the archery industry, if you will, um, it's been just a complete blessing for my wife and I. Um, like I said, Boning has been the company that we have been with the longest. I started with them in 2000, um, right when I first started. Uh, and they're, they're predominantly known for? Boning is known for um, glue, fletching glue, veins, uh, basically the feathers, if you will, the veins on the arrows and, and knocks. Um, so more of an accessory company, not not uh, a bow company. Yeah, and so, so the, the knock is what goes on the end of the arrow to hold it to your string. string. Yep, yep. Um, one thing that's really cool about boning, then when, uh, then when I was working there, is everything that they make, um, you know, the adhesives, the, the glues, the veins, 
all that's made right in in Lake City, Michigan. So they don't outsource any of it. It's all American made. Um, and the owner Larry there is very proud of that. He's a, he's an, a vet, and uh, they run a really good company there. Um, another company I've been with for a long time is Onyx. Uh, I've been with Onyx out of Missoula. There, uh, they make a, a mapping system uh, for hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, they've gotten into the kind of the off road thing, and, and actually, my wife uses it for real estate. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And so it gives landowner you know information and and property boundaries and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. she used it in real estate all the time. Um, and then I know when we do a little, some of our uh, off-roading stuff with our Tacomas and whatnot, um, we use the, they have a Onyx off-road, which is pretty cool. Um, and that'll give you actual trails like throughout every state wow. that, you, that you can use to, to access those. Um, I'm trying to think here. We uh, use Ripcord Rest. Um, we've been with Ripcord and Tight Spot Quivers for a long time. Um, those people are awesome down there. They're Montana made, uh, made down in Ooh. Belgrade. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, then we use, uh, I got a shout out to Daryl Strickland. Daryl's a guy that I met when I was at Boney. He owns um, uh, a stabilizer company mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Bloodline Stabilizers. And uh, he's he's a, a small time guy. He, he makes them. He's from Arkansas. Uh, he's a, he's a redneck, um, but he makes a really good quality product. <laughs> and I was using, uh, kind of a name brand stabilizer at the time. And when I was working at Boney, he sent me one to try and I put it on my bow. I'm like, this thing is really nice. And, and just for any of our listeners that aren't familiar, what is a stabilizer? So a stabilizer, good question. A stabilizer, uh, does one of two things. One, it takes the vibration out of the bow. Because um, when those cams, um, even with a recurve or longbow, it happens. But you see stabilizers more on compounds. Um, they, they, when they go back to their resting position, uh, vibration will come down the limbs into the handle of the bow. And so that vibration has to go somewhere. And so a stabilizer will take and absorb the vibration of the bow um, and basically calms the bow down as the bow is being shot. So it helps steady the bow more. And, and you can and, imagine and letting go of, of 70 pounds of, right. of string there's pressure. There's a lot of things going on. There's, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And this arrow is, you know, getting shot out at 200 mm-hmm. to 300 feet per second as it's going off the end. And, mm-hmm. and so it causes yeah. a lot of vibration. These stabilizers help with that. And I've noticed also with me that the stabilizers help me aim as well. They help right. keep that bow yep. balanced when you're Yeah, they can help with, with torque and, and all that sort of thing. You want to try to take the human error out of it as much as possible. Gotcha. I think so. I saw a picture of a stabilizer. It looked like a little uh, <laughs> piece of metal or something that you screwed onto it. He's like, yep. oh, I use this, and it makes it so I, when I hold it, I, it's not like going right. this way not or that tip, way. Right, tip a certain way. So yeah. to me, it looked like a counterweight yep. or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, yep. That, yeah. You can so, you can definitely say that. Yeah. yeah. But, cool. Uh, but, yeah, another company that we work with uh, is Mossy Oak. Um, I was with another clothing company for a long time, and, and Mossy Oak um, um, kind of gave uh, – Reach out to me um, back in January, and they wanted to uh, kind of sponsor and have me get on their team, especially to represent them in the western states. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of been a big thing. Mossy Oak's really big in the hunting industry. Um, they're one of the first camel companies ever. Uh, they're still growing strong, and it's been a really neat deal. I actually went to Wyoming uh, a few months ago to, to turkey hunt, um, but I was actually not the hunter. I was the guide. So I got to guide uh, a gentleman from Wyoming who was legislature uh, in the legislature down there, and then my other hunter um, works for the Outdoor Channel, which was really cool. 
So I was able to guide those guys for two days, and, man, did we work our butts off. We hiked everywhere. We we hiked almost 20 miles in two days Jeez. for turkeys. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's so, a lot. It's a yeah, lot. so we were uh, – I felt like we were elk hunting or mule deer hunting, not turkey hunting like, you'd, you know, like I would have in Tennessee. Right. You know, so <laughs> – but uh, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. But I was there representing Mossy Oak, um, which, was, cool. which was a really cool deal. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it, it's – it's really cool. We shoot, uh, or I carry um, Gold Tip and Victory Arrows in the shop. Um, shout out to both those companies. I know guys at both, and, and they make really good quality arrows. So, um, and arrows now are not like they used to be. They're not made out of wood anymore. Uh, they're made out of, out of carbon. Um, there's different degrees of carbon. Uh, some are a weave. Some are a wrap. Um, some are pure carbon. Some are not. Some are modulus. That's a whole nother conversation. I right, could talk. Right. I, could, I could talk two hours on arrows, but uh, you know, so you have to kind of figure out what arrow your bow likes and 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 that sort of thing. But uh, um, you know, just just kind of a neat deal. With arrows are endless to talk about. So yeah. a lot of technology with them. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a real blessing to be with these companies. They they help us. Um, you know, they they help Nick and I financially to go to these things and shoot. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of fun to be able to do that. And it's, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it to me. And, and what, um, brands of bows do you, do you carry here? Sure. Uh, I carry prime. That's kind of my main, main line. Uh, and then I carry bear, uh, and Darton. And so. we've mentioned bear a few times. So mm-hmm. when he's talking about a bear bow, that's B A R E. Yep. That's bear. the style of shooting bear yep. bow. But bear brand is B-E-A-R. Like the animal. Like the animal. And, and uh, the cool thing is where I grew up in Michigan um, was very close to where bear archery originated. And it was owned, owned by Fred Bear. And uh, he's kind of the grandfather of modern archery. He really made it mainstream back in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's a neat guy. If you ever get time to look him up, he's, he's pretty cool. Yeah, and there's a few books that, uh, I don't know if he actually came out with any books, but I know there's a few books that, that mm-hmm. have helped kind of uh, give a kind of the story of his life and, yep. and bringing archery to the, the world, really. He did. Um, yep. Bringing out the, the modern form yep. of archery with, with compound and, and cams and everything we're doing now wouldn't, wouldn't really be where it's at without him. Right. Yep. And so, so, the, so the hardest part is getting the word out. Did you feel that you had to make any... Any, you know, do you, any sacrifices or, or, you know, scary, like the day that you'd finally decide, yeah, I'm <laughs> opening up a shop. Like what yep. was, what was that like? Well, it was pretty cool. Cause I, you know, I looked at the market I, and, and to be very honest, I mean, my shop right now, I had to start out small. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get so financially burdened that we couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Nick and I luckily were, were blessed that way some, uh, financially, but it was one of those deals where I reached out to some companies that I was familiar with, um, Prime Archery and Darton, and um, really wanted to get those bows in. And Darton is, for anyone, I'm going to give a little shout out to Darton here too. Darton, if anybody, especially out Western Western United States, probably really doesn't know who Darton is. Um, Darton Archery has been around forever, long as, 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 as Hoyt and PSE and those companies. Um, but the owner, Rex Darlington, has literally invented ev- almost every cam um, or wheel for the mechanical bow, for the compound bow. And it and seems like almost every company has used Darton technology in it. 
in their in their bows. Um, so if you're in Western United States, give Darton a look because <laughs> they're they're a cool company. Uh, the other company we mainline we carry is Prime. Um, Prime also makes G five G five products. They make broadheads. Uh, they also make Quest, which is kind of their sister bow company. Um, and I've been I've known the guys at Prime and G five for a long long time. Um, and uh, that's currently what I'm shooting. Uh, my wife currently shoots a Darton. So we kind of shoot both bows. Right. Uh, my son shoots a Quest, which is uh, Prime's um, uh, sister company. And, uh, you know, so the cool thing is about having those bows, including Bear, Bear Bow uh, Archery Products, is that I, I, I can foster a whole bunch of different uh, price ranges. Mm. So I can have a customer come in that says, you know, I got 300 bucks. That's all I got. I got a bow for you. Mm. Or they can come in and say, hey, I don't have a budget. I, then I got lots of bows for you, <laughs> but and, uh, yeah. And so. and so so you reach out to these, and what do you what do you ask them when so, you're getting ready to start? So for anyone that's looking at opening an archery shop, uh, you know, if the hardest part is getting the inventory mm-hmm. and deciding how much inventory you need. Um, so you know, some I reach out to several bow manufacturers, and some of them. They wanted $30,000. We need $30,000 of bows, mm-hmm. you know. But being in the rural area that I am, I don't know if I'm going to sell $30,000 worth of bows or mm-hmm. that particular brand. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> the companies that I'm with allowed me to order. I can order bows in smaller quantities. I mean, I've got lots of bows in stock. Um, but say if a guy wants a, you know, a special color or something like that, uh, I can do that with them, where some of these other companies I, I really couldn't because I, I would have had to order $30,000 or $50,000 worth of bows. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I felt like I'd be a little hamstring that way. Um, and so the bow companies that I'm with, um, you know, there there was some investment in that, you know, it was, say, $10,000 to get the bow in here, and then now I'm good. Um, and then, and then that, that company will also not advertise for you, but when people are looking for mm-hmm. a prime or a quest yep, or a bear yeah. bow, they'll, they'll find your shop. Yep, and yep, yeah. We're right on their website, uh, deep fork archery. And, uh, it's pretty, pretty neat deal to, to be associated with those companies. So, um, and, and I will tell you people in the archery industry are good people and the people at bear, the people at Darton, all the companies that we have, people at prime, um, they're good, good folks. And they want, they want to help you grow as a shop. Mm. So, so you, you definitely pick those partners based on mm-hmm. you know yeah the availability of being able to spend thirty thousand dollars and not right. but then also just them wanting to work work with you as well right. and make more yep. of a, a partnership relationship type thing. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So, but it, it was it was challenging trying to figure out what what product, how much of each product. Uh, you know, it's it's tricky. So. And then I, I, I want to ask another question. I have two more. I have two more. I don't know if you have any questions, Joe. I don't want to jump in too much here. No, go ahead. Okay. So um, you you picture uh, Deep Fork Archery five years from now. Not do you, but you mm-hmm. do. As you're picturing Deep Fork Archery five years from now, what are you, what are you seeing? Do you have big goals? Or are you just like, oh, I'm kind of happy where we're at? Uh, you know, um, where are you at? You know, it's one thing I want to I want to do more, and I'd like to, to foster more is our youth programs throughout the area. Uh, I love working with kids with archery, and uh, you know we're get, try, trying to get involved with a 4-H and the NAS program, National Archery in Schools program, um, which is a really neat program. And my wife and I actually were involved in Center Shot, which is a Christian based um, youth archery program, which is pretty cool. 
Um, but as far as the, the shop goes in, in five years, I, I mean, we're going to keep growing. Um, it's certainly probably because of my nature, I don't want to do it full time and quit teaching. Right. Um, I love working with, with my, with my resource room kids and I love coaching and that sort of thing. Um, but it still allows me to, to have a successful business, um, in the area that I'm at. So, um, the way we're going, we're going to keep growing because we're growing right now. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, it's it's going in a really positive direction. And it's just kind of momentum just kind of keeps growing month after month after month. So um, it's kind of hard to say, but uh, I'm, I'm happy in the direction we're going. Which which starting a business uh, in the in the middle of COVID mm-hmm. and, you know. Oh, and we moved to Montana in the middle of COVID, too. That was fun. <laughs> right. Like, all <laughs> All of that is definitely challenging. So yeah. I, I just I just commend you, Greg, in uh, in taking a business from nothing to to something in a few short months, mm-hmm. while the government restrictions and, yeah. and all of that in small yeah. town Montana. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of of not not necessarily hurdles, but you could have done it easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you you could have you know moved to a bigger town. You could have yeah. you know ordered the the. The thirty thousand dollar bows, you get, know, get a franchise, maybe. Right, right, know? right. Yeah. There's there's so many different ways, but you, I think, as I, I pictured, like you getting after it is very much what's in your your heart and following what's going to, to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, teaching special ed, mm-hmm. yeah, um, helping helping children. You know, coaching is one of the best uh, things that can come alongside a child as they're going through that elementary to high school age would be a coach. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes is the confidant they'll go to, even if they have great parents, mm-hmm. they might confide in a coach in a way that they wouldn't in parents. And then a coach is able to, to speak some things to them and see some things. Yeah. And then also have the shop <laughs> the way you want the shop, um, and where you want it. I think that's all just great things as you're getting after it. My second yeah. question my second question is: I see a band aid. <laughs> I see a band aid yeah. on your hand. Yeah, there's, there's a story behind that band aid. There is a, there is a little story behind the band aid. So, uh, I consider myself kind of like Tim the Toolman Taylor when it comes to power tools. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife, God bless her, she has one of the most creative eyes I've ever seen. She can take a room and turn it into a million bucks. I mean, she Nikki has that talent, and. Um, so I was putting up shiplap boards in our one of our uh, kind of guest bathrooms in the house. And uh, I had been cutting boards and nailing them up, and everything was going well. And uh, it was my last board of the day. I had the table saw going, and that board just wanted to go dive into that table saw a little quicker than I was used to and uh, cut three of my fingers really bad, uh, my ring finger on my left hand especially. Uh, I came in the house. I was looked like someone had field dressed a an, dead animal, and I was you know bleeding all over. And I walked in the house. Nikki was cooking lunch, and I, I went right to the sink, put the water on, it, and I said, uh, "Hey, Nikki, I cut my finger." And she goes, "Oh, do you want me to get you a band aid?" And I said, <laughs> "Probably gonna take a little more than a band aid." <laughs> so, um, you know, and and for an archer to lose her to have a finger injury is like a runner breaking their foot. Right. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, it just it doesn't work. And, um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I got the water going. I got kind of dizzy and sat down in a chair next to the sink and she called 911. The paramedics came and bandaged me up. And again, being in rural Montana, uh, here we go, 35, 40 minute drive into Great Falls into the ER, um, which was extremely, uh, painful. 
Uh. Um, that was not fun. So I actually called my dad, my brother on the way just to keep my mind busy. And, right. uh, yeah, I end up, um, my pinky finger is all right. My middle finger is all right, but my ring finger is pretty messed up. And I, I didn't need to get it taken off. So I finally went last week to see if I would add to have the end of it taken off. I got to keep it, which is good. Uh, they took the stitches out, but I have no feeling and no movement in it. So the doctor said that finger is going to get a little cold during hunting season. So, so. And, and just to clarify, and maybe be a little <laughs> funny, you got to keep it attached, I not did. like in a jar. Right, yes, yeah. yes. They it was it funny because when the paramedics showed up, they were like, do we need to go look at, you know, look for your finger out in the alley or out in the shop? Or I'm like, no, it's still there. So they were they were pretty happy they didn't have to come digging around the garage looking for it, you know. Okay. So. <laughs> and so I've, I've been, uh, uh, through the Army, I was a uh, uh, combat certified you know to to do some of this stuff uh man i can't think of the name right now but we'll just say combat it's not a medic at all i wasn't a combat medic those guys were amazing uh but just to be able to do like the first responder Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. kind of things and when i was training for all that giving people ivs and you know doing all that I, i was fine and i've done it in combat i've i've helped people that have been pretty severely injured but when i think of people in like a normal situation it does something mm-hmm. to my brain mm-hmm. where like i i could not be a paramedic or anything like that because <laughs> no. it, this is yeah. like this isn't combat this isn't iraq this isn't right. and my brain just doesn't handle it well so when i think about if i would have been here like i may yeah. have almost wanted to even pass well, out my, my wife mm-hmm. made the comment to me numerous times she was, i don't know how you stayed so calm and so i'm sitting there bleeding all over and i said to nikki i said calm down everything's gonna be all right oh my gosh oh my gosh what do we do we'll get through this we'll get through i know and so she's like i don't know how you stayed so calm and i'm like just kind of my demeanor i mean you know so um but uh you know it kind of going back on what you said about the coaching thing Mm -hmm. um i had a, a really neat um and i've been just absolutely blessed with coaching since coming to fairfield i mean i coached i was a head coach in our class b all star game last week um, I mean, we played for a state championship this year. Um, I'm not hurting for numbers of kids coming out. Um, but one thing I tell my kids is football is the last thing I care about when mm-hmm. it comes to you. I, you know, I care about how you did hunting or how your grades are or, or uh, you know, I got a couple of kids at rodeo. Mm-hmm. And I pray every day that they don't get hurt. <laughs> but, right. but I got a couple of kids at rodeo, so I care about how they do in rodeo. And I had a young man send me a text last week, and he said, hey, coach, you know, I'm just, I don't think I'm going to play this year. He said, my heart's not in it. It's not fair to the other kids on the team. Mm-hmm. And I could have responded to that, well, one of two ways. One, I could have said, well, I, th- I think you're making a huge mistake. You know, you need to come out. You need to da-da-da-da-da and just rip into him a little bit. My response to him was, I understand. I respect you for letting me know. Um this is what my plans were for you, so, you know, where I envision you. He's a good football player. And, um, you know, and I said, if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to come back. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a text two days later and said, Coach, I was kind of having a bad day. I was in a bad place. Um, I'll do whatever you need to do. Let me come back on the team. Right. And I said, you just made my day. I said, I appreciate you coming back. Um, and I tell my kids all the time, I said, I, you know, I said at the end of the text, I said, I love you, kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think um, as guys, we tend to not be that way, especially with with kids mm-hmm. um, that need some help, especially, you know, being good male role models. Right. Um, and not that this kid's from a bad family. That's not what I mean. But um, he's from a great family. Um, but, you know, he's one of those kids that struggles a little bit academically and 
um, you know, just needs a little bit of help. And so it was really neat. I mean, I darn near teared up when I got that text. And I, was, I called my coaches to let them know he wasn't going to play. Two days later, I called him to say, hey, he's coming back out. And, so, and human adult nature would be upset at the wishy-washiness of a, of a teenager mm-hmm. and, and indecisiveness. But ultimately, uh, as adults, and I with ChildBridge and, and working with parents when children come from a place of trauma, and this mm-hmm. is different than what this child is coming from, but, um, man, they, they need support and help walking through those things more than they need us to criticize how they're right. walking through it. Because yeah. this could be the first time you're helping... And his parents as well. Like, you know, you don't know what conversations he's having with mom and dad and different things. And he's having this conversation with you, which is hard Mm -hmm. in a football town to to text, Mm -hmm. to text the coach and say, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be in. And and football means a lot. Mm -hmm. And to talk to parents and all of that can be very difficult to then know that next time he's questioning something, he can call you. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to get ridiculed. He's going to be walked through it. And that that really is something that I I hope uh, a lot of coaches can model that as well. But I know they don't. But I I hope that they can. Um, And that kind of that kind of leads into why we why Nick and I opened an archery shop. Mm. Um, We looked around and said, "There's nothing around here." And archery is a love that we have, and so we said, "We can serve our community." So Mm -hmm. you know, again. Financially, I don't. I don't need to make money on the archery shop. I'm not doing it for the financial part of it. Yeah, I can maybe make a little bit and pay off what I owe with both of companies that I'm buying the product from. Right. Um, but we're giving a service. I mean, you know, like the gentleman a couple weeks ago. Hey, I never knew I had to hold my bow that way. He's shooting now. I mean, I talked to him this morning um, coming out of the weight room. Um, we did our workout this morning. I was coming out, and he said, "Man, I'm shooting really good." I'm like, awesome. That's great. And he said, man, that grip thing made all the difference in the world. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So, and I said, hey, whenever you want to come shoot, we'll go shoot together, you know, that sort of thing. And so that's partly why we opened the archery shop was to provide a service for the community because there is nothing around here in rural Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've got to drive 45 miles or whatever it is in the in, way into Great Falls to go do it. Um, so that's just another avenue of why we opened the shop. Well, and that, and that also gives you, you know, with uh, – there's there's places further from Great Falls too that don't have to go all the way to Great Falls now right. with Shodo and Augusta yep. and different places over there. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think at a, an hour and eighteen we're gonna we're gonna kind of do our closing things here. So uh, in in typical get after it podcast um, tradition, <laughs> can we have traditions yet? I mean, sure. Why yeah. Not? All right. So in, <laughs> in in our tradition, we're gonna give you an opportunity, Greg. How can people? You know, get a hold of you if sure. they if they want to if they want to inquire about the shop or maybe somebody after listening to this says, "Man, I want my kid growing up in Fairfield." You know, yeah, doing and, you that. know, if they're a football player, that's six six two forty. We're glad to take them. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've got a bow that'll fit them. I've got a football program. You know, I'm just you know, but, uh, no, yeah. People can get a hold of me. Uh, my email is just Greg Deep Fork at gmail.com all one word all one deep word uh, yep greg deep fork and then uh we're on instagram at deep fork archery and then just greg meisner uh g-r-e-g-m-i-s-n-e-r on instagram excellent so excellent instagram okay instagram and an email yep got it all right so. and then and then for all those of you listening you don't have to while you're driving try to write those down those that all those links will be in the show notes below and you can just click on those links to uh, any of the social media there. And then the, the email, you can copy and paste out of there if that's what you 
what you're into. Um, and uh, I do want to ask one more question, but you got to answer it quickly. Is there a meaning behind Deep Fork in that particular name? <laughs> yeah, good question. One, mm-hmm. one out of all the animals I've ever been around, uh, mule deer are the best animal that I love. I just love them. Mm-hmm. I love the area they live in. I love the, the terrain. I love everything about a mule deer. And so anyone that hunted mule deer, you want a mule deer with a deep fork, They're, the way their horns are, are shaped. Mm-hmm. And they score higher for points if you have a deep fork. And so my buddy uh, in Great Falls, Tony, uh, he says, hey, why don't you name your shop Deep Fork Archery? I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like it. There I like it, the name. There it is. And the, you know the cool thing is I have sold a ton of hats and shirts to guys in the eastern United States because of the name. Right. They right. want they want to say Deep Fork Archery Montana. Oh, yeah. So, and so if they're listening and they want a Deep Fork Archery I got hat, Yeah, we got hats and T-shirts and all sorts of goodies. So. Yeah, just direct message the Instagram yep. page or shoot an email and he'll, he'll get one in the mail to you. Yep. Hell, yeah. That sounds great. It looked I like mean, you had a follow-up. Well, I was just making the connection because this this episode is, I mean, because sometimes we na- we'll name an episode, and I mean, Deep Fork, I mean, that's that's perfect, you know, some, okay. something about with the Deep Fork, but our first episode was There there is a Spoon. <laughs> that was that was our first one. There I feel like we've got like a cutlery uh, theme yeah. going here. So maybe like yeah. maybe like We the Pizza next time or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you know. so, yeah, what we got after... Deep fork. Deep. There is there is a deep fork. There's also a deep fork <laughs> with yep. the spoon. I like that. Something. And if you if you want to get a hold of Joe or myself, we've we've given this a few times, and it'll be in the the show notes as well. But Joe, where do they find you? You can find me on Facebook, Joe Ryan Acoustic, um, and also you can find me at live shows around Great Falls every Tuesday at Empty Pints, every Wednesday at the halftime. Um, and now they've given me every Sunday at the Beck. That's the Black Eagle Country Club. So I'm really excited about that new show. So come on, check me out for a Sunday morning breakfast at a very authentic feeling Montana um, establishment. In, in Black Eagle, <laughs> in Montana. Black, in a very authentic sounding town of Black Eagle, Montana. And you, you wouldn't even know you were in a different town. Black Eagle is just connected to Great Falls, but it yeah. is, it, it's your own unique beast over there. It really is. And yeah. very uh, culturally um, yeah. proud, proud of what they have because of the, um, the refinery. That's right. A the, lot yeah, of it is the, because of the refinery. right? The big stack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, Black Eagle represent. Shout out to the people in Black Eagle still keeping it just the way it's always been, right? I, I, and I'm going to call it good. Yep. <laughs> and then if you, if you want to find me, uh, you can go to Brian Gus on Instagram. We you can find this podcast at Get After It underscore Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, but don't find me on there. I'm not gonna. Don't bother him yeah. on Facebook. He's not gonna talk to you. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk to you on there. But definitely reach out to the show. And we thank all of you that are that are our amazing listeners from all across the United States. We keep looking at the analytics, and we're really shocked as we haven't done a lot of promoting or advertising or anything. And we have people from from all over the United States and even Belgium. Thanks, Belgium. Thank you, Belgium. Thank I'm going to keep thanking you. He's probably not even listening anymore. He listened no. one time, and he, or he or she. He he or she accidentally hit the download button. I was like, oh, no, not that one. This yeah, one. Yeah, this yeah. other exactly same-named podcast by more famous people. So if you, are, <laughs> if you are in Belgium and you're listening, we need to hear from you. Thank you. You might be our first remote <laughs> guest. 
yeah. where, where we have you phone in and we can interview you because that's just really cool that you're out there and listening to us. So we appreciate all of you. If you're listening on Apple podcast, please just uh, give us a rate and review. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to do anything less than five stars, then go ahead and just get yourself an ice cream instead of rating and just reviewing us. Keep it to yourself. Buddy. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to see you in the next episode. That sound good, Joe. We done. I think we, that whatever we were after we got, all right, so. that sounds good. We'll, we'll see you next week. See you next week. That is not the right one. Play the right one. That is the wrong one. You've got to be kidding me. This yes. happens. This happens. But we're getting used to the soundboard. Yeah. I'm getting used to it. Here we go. We're out of here. Mm, that's good. That's way better. <laughs> Always got to have problems with the, with the soundboard, you know? This is, these are the great episodes we're going to listen back to and be like, ha, remember that? I can't even believe we published that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>